Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1999's American Movie, directed by Chris Smith, starring Mark Borchardt and Mike Schenk. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, there was a movie that I, I saw when I was about 10 years old and couldn't place it. Yeah. Um, I've just, and it's been, it hasn't been driving me nuts or anything, but for however long now, I've just been like, you know, what was oh, that yeah, movie? Oh, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I found it. I somehow wow. found it. Good, and, good job, my friend. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> and it was weird because, like, I remember my dad really liked it, and he was the one who, like, had us watch. He was like, oh, we got to watch this. Uh-huh. And I just, you know, it's just been something I, I have not been able to get my, my hands around, and it just came across. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. What is it? Give us give us the juicy details, Dave. The movie is Rolling Thunder from 1977. Rolling Thunder? Yes. It okay. turns out it's like one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies. Oh. And he named his production company after it. Rolling Thunder Holy Pictures. Holy crap. Yes. That's all, that's freaking awesome. It's, and dude, it's an awesome movie. It's a great time. I mean, you will have an you'll have a great it's streaming on Canopy right now. You'll have an awesome time with okay, it. Okay, I'll check it out later. Yes. That's so freaking cool. I had a moment like that too. Mm. Uh, it was the movie Legend. Oh, I, okay. Well, I had yeah. this image in my mind of uh, Tim Curry's Devil. Okay. Right. And I couldn't figure out what this thing was. Uh-huh. If I made it up as a kid and just imagined this, or right. was it something in a commercial? Like, I had no clue. And then one day, when I was much older, I saw Legend floating around. I was like, holy fucking shit, that's the movie. That's awesome, That's man. the movie. And these memory <laughs> fragments that are just on a shelf in your head like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just when they, whenever they, they come together, it, it even every 30 years, you get yeah, one. You right. Know? You have an epiphany <laughs> yes. and it's like, whoa, that's <laughs> right? amazing. Awesome. Yeah. I. So what I watched is something we did an episode on. I think it was our one year anniversary show. Okay. It was Goodfellas. Nice. So dude. my son came up to me. He was sick like all week. He missed the last week of school. He wasn't faking it. Like this guy had a fever and everything. <laughs> so don't give me any bullshit about that. But he just came up. He was so bored. He's like, Dad, you want to watch Goodfellas? I was like, Hell yeah, I do. Wow. Let's go. Wow. Yep. So yeah, I enjoyed that one again. He suggested it. He suggested it. Yeah. That rules. Dude. Yeah, dude. He loves that movie. Okay. I won't go into details about the movie because you all know about the movie, yes. I'm sure. And we have an episode on it. I think it's episode 53 if you want to go listen to it. Nice. So, yeah. Now let's get into this movie, Dave. American movie. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Uh, sure. Um, so this is Chris Smith and Sarah Price's documentary that follows independent filmmaker Mark Borchardt as he tries to keep it together during the troubled production of his latest movie. And uh, he's also dealing with a lot of personal and family turmoil. And you come to realize that he's kind of at the center of a lot of people's lives. Uh, It's a highly compelling story, and we're going to attempt to analyze it in our format. Yes. This is not our first documentary we've done. I think we've done two others. Yeah. We did Crumb and... King um, of Kong. King of Kong, yeah. Yep. So documentaries are always a completely different beast because there's no typical traditional plot. So, I mean, there is a plot built in, but it's not scripted. It's not, you know, you don't know what you're getting when you make a documentary. And it's so. hard to go like scene to scene in a documentary, too, where you're talking yeah. a lot more about ideas and just, you know, um, that there, there might be some stuff that, uh, well, it, it's, it doesn't seamlessly lend itself to, like, I, ke- I kept talking about our format. I mean, mm-hmm. like, when we go, you know, from start to finish in a movie, it's hard to even, like, you know, remember uh, what how it starts and how it ends sometimes. Right, yeah. And that's okay, because we don't have to do point by point things about this but it's basically like you said this guy he is a a movie dude he loves movies he's like us 
I remember making movies with my friends on our handheld cameras and stuff uh, back in the day, much like Mark did. And I even had a buddy who went to school for film editing and things. And cool. So I'm right at home watching this movie. Yes. These look like my people. <laughs> yes. Uh, I had I had a, a great time doing stuff like that as mm-hmm. well. Now, unfortunately, I didn't shoot on film back then. Yeah, we just had videotape. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, the friend of mine who had the, the camera, we, we shot everything on video. Mm-hmm. And, and what came out of it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't as good as as some of the stuff that that, that Mark is able to shoot. Yeah, Mark. Able to capture. Mark obviously does have some talent here. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about, and he's just kind of in over his head sometimes. Yeah, and he isn't focused in the right way, I guess. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but but he's not an idiot. No, at no. all. He's he's got like a real vision mm-hmm. for for what he wants, and like a lot of people who are like assertive and have vision. You know, you'd often wish that he'd shut up for a minute sometimes uh, because he's always running his mouth. Yeah. Um, And he's sometimes full of shit, you know, with with some of the stuff he comes up with. But other times, like, you know, often what comes out is is almost poetic. Yeah. He has all these great ideas sometimes. Yeah. And it's very philosophical and smart, but it's kind of coded in, like, nonsense. Yeah. You know, there's there's this (laughs) wrapper of bullshit around it. It's so weird the way this guy talks. And I know. Every now and then you're like, man, he's right. But what the fuck did he just say? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes there's like <laughs> tremendous yeah. insight there and you go, oh my gosh, it really knocks you out. And then and then you can't remember exactly what he what he, what he he laid down. And then it was kind of, like you said, yeah. wrapped in something else that was like totally unrelated. Yeah, he'll be like, yeah, the goddamn Titanic hit that damn iceberg. <laughs> and you're like, how does that relate to anything he just said? Dude. But I guess it does. <laughs> At one at one point, I've got this written down. Okay. He, he's he's talking to one of his fellow, uh, like one of the other people who was part of his production crew. He says, "There's no excuses, Paul. No one has ever ever paid admission to see an excuse. No one has ever faced a black screen that says, well, if we had this set of circumstances, we would have shot this scene. So please forgive us and use your imagination. I've been to the movies a hundred three times, Paul, and none ever occurred. <laughs> yeah, he just, he goes off, off the handle like this. Dude, I, I mean... And like, but he's right. I know you need to finish exactly. your product. That, that he he's saying in in that in that word salad, show don't tell. Right. You know, it, it's the most basic component of filmmaking. He's trying to let these people know that he has to get this shot right. Yeah. And there, there's later in the movie where you see him um, trying to frame this one shot mm-hmm. um, when he's making Coven. Um, Not Coven. It sounds like oven. <laughs> During the pandemic, a, a meme went around that was just a subtitle captured with Mark Borchardt saying the word "coven," uh-huh. and like it, it was replaced with "COVID." Obviously, uh-huh. it was the only time a meme has ever like like really got inside my head and go, "Oh my god!" I've been saying I, as soon as as soon as the COVID COVID nineteen pandemic started, I was saying it like Mark Borchardt. That I was I was hearing that voice. COVID. Yeah, exactly. Because this takes place where, like Milwaukee, so Menominee Falls, that... Wisconsin. Yeah, okay. uh, a suburb of Milwaukee. Okay. Yeah. So it's a um, you got that northern, almost Minnesota nice type accent, and and it's everybody. Yeah. The whole it's it's fucking Fargo up it's, in here. The whole town yeah. sounds like that. Yeah. And I mean, one denizen after another, you're just like, wow, you know, <laughs> it, it, this is a real culture they've got up there. Uh-huh. Um, and to be honest, actually, when I moved to St. Louis from Arizona, you guys all sounded like this to me. Oh, I'm sure we did. <laughs> I'm sure we did, dude. It's so nuts. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with exactly. these hillbillies? Right. What is this? 
Uh, um, this is goddamn America, and we got an American dream. I, I figured out what the Midwestern, uh, what Midwesterners yeah. sounded like. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I got it. You know, <laughs> um, that when he, when he's trying to to frame that shot in Coven of him being anguished after having killed that guy Tom. Is this when his mom's trying to help? Yes. Him? Yeah. His mom is manning the camera, and she's not a cinematographer, uh, <laughs> pr- and so she she needs some help, and. He's trying to like he's he's putting himself into the camera's into the into the, the camera's lens mm-hmm. and trying to ask his mom, okay, how do I look? You know how how is how is the shot looking? And she's not giving him kind of the right information or mm-hmm. maybe inaccurate information. And we can see how the shot is framed, and it's not capturing what he says he wants. Right. He he's too far out of the center. Yes. It. I mean, it's focused fine, but it can't get what he's trying to get. Right. And his mom doesn't really understand what he's saying. Yes. 40% she keeps of the cutting the camera like, when he uh, doesn't say cut. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. He is so frustrated with her. And and it's take after take. And I don't know where he's getting. I mean, I know where he's getting the money for, for all this film. He's getting it from Uncle Bill. But, yeah. but like, man, he is spending like he is just hemorrhaging money every time he tries like all these different takes of all these shots. And he's not blind to that, though. He right. knows he even goes off on somebody at one point because they're wasting so much film. Yeah. Because people are just being idiots. Yes, that's right. And he's getting mad about it. Right, right. <laughs> he's well aware of it. You're right. Yeah. Um, but when when you look at the shot and realize that, like, you know, uh, 35 to 40% of it doesn't have, it's not his head. It, right. It's, it's all the surrounding air. And like, like it, that, that just wouldn't fit in it. You, you couldn't have that in a movie and right. pass it off as, as the real shot. And that's not what he wants either. Right. Like he knows what he wants. He's competent. He is. He can make a film. Yeah. He does. Ultimately at the end, we see the premiere, which is great. Right. This scene, like it really shows the, how difficult it really is for him to get this done. I know. He has no real help. Right. It's just him. <laughs> he has a few other people that can kind that are kind of helping that have production experience and stuff, but it's all kind of just like favors it looks like. They're all amateurs. Yeah, they're all amateurs. Um he made that radio drama with them at one mm-hmm. point though that that troop of actors who who he's like enlisting to be in Coven. Yeah. But like it's it, he doesn't have any professionals with him. They're I mean and his his main guy, his main his right-hand man is Mike Shank, mm-hmm. who is um one of the best guys in a movie. I, he's I one like, of the best characters in a movie I love I've ever Mike. seen. You know, um, just everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. He's universally like like thought of as like the the, the ultimate good friend that you'd have. Um, someone who would be so loyal to you and would would just never cause problems in your life. I feel so bad for him too. I know because of the issues that he's has and has gone through. Right. But yeah, he's a great friend. Yeah. And. He's there for Mark when he needs him the most. Like he goes over for Thanksgiving and things like that. He's always at the house. Yeah. And he's like, he's just there whenever anybody needs anything. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go to get Ken from, from, from spring him from jail, yeah. Mike's there, you know, and he moves over and it let, yeah. lets Ken have, uh, he, he goes ahead and takes lucky Pierre. So the, so the, mm-hmm. the you know, uh, Ken can have the window seat, <laughs> yeah. you know, at, at Thanksgiving, the documentarians are asking them what they're thankful for. And, Mark says, I'm thankful Mike came over and put a smile on my face. I didn't want to wake up tomorrow morning and Mike came over and made made me happy. That's a great moment. Yeah, that's freaking you know? amazing, dude. Yes. yes. That's how important it was this guy just came over and hung out with you. Right. Yeah. And I found out the the what, what condition Mike suffers from. Mm-hmm. It's known as reduced effect. 
Yeah. It's it's a symptom of like schizophrenia and post-traumatic stress or brain damage. Um, you yes. know, whenever someone just like can't like express emotions, really, mm-hmm. they might be having them or experiencing emotions, but it just come manifests itself in what you see Mike Shank, which is just a guy who talks like this at all times, you know, and uh, I, I, yeah. I, and, and he, whenever He's a little he, slow, exactly. Yeah. It's got to be from the brain damage because yes. he even tells the story about how he literally was brain dead because he took too much acid. I mean, <sighs> they go, they talk about drinking and drugs all the time in this film. Yes. It's how it was a part of their life. Right. And it still is. And dude, I mean, like whenever, whenever Mike's telling his story and he, he starts with like, well, I was in my basement partying and I was like, oh, oh, wait, oh man, man, dude. And no one wanted to drink this vodka with me <sighs> and I had no friends. And then M- Mark came over and he drank the whole bottle with me and we're best friends. It's sad. It is really sad. He, he, but he, it, it is touching, but it is sad. Very man. much so. Mm-hmm. Like, like it just, I mean, it doesn't bring you to tears exactly, but it's kind of like just, you know, the idea of someone saying that they were partying, quote, in their basement. When no they one were just, else just wanted him. to party with them. Right. It was yeah. him with a bottle of vodka. He calls that partying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Really yeah, something. it's pretty sad. And yeah, yeah be, this led to, at some point, he OD'd and yeah. ended up in the hospital brain dead right and the doctor he woke up from smelling salts and he immediately tried to get more acid out of his pocket like that's the kind of problems he had he took his last three hits right i mean like yeah, while he his was mom still, I mean, took it out of his pocket and uh, he was mad he was like i was gonna take those hits in the hospital dude what the fuck man are you serious can you imagine being on three hits of acid in a hospital because you're brain dead from acid? I mean, Jesus. What the fuck, dude? What, how far do you want to take it? Yeah. How high Drug do you want to get? Drug addiction is pretty horrible, man. Right, it is. And I mean, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty hardcore shit. But in that scene when he's telling the story about going to the hospital, he's kind of laughing while yeah. he's telling it. Because, I mean, I don't, you tell a funny story like, yeah, we got so drunk this one night and you think it's funny. It's Really, it's not. No, <laughs> but, it's not. <laughs> but you're laughing about it. That's what he's doing here. And he's it's almost an uncomfortable laughing about it, too. Yeah. And then it cuts to him outside smoking a cigarette, and it's like completely silent, and he's just like looking around, thinking about his life. Right. It really puts the point on like how awful that was, how pathetic yeah. that was. Right. And you can tell Mike knows it is, but the way he was presenting it, like, yeah, it was an awesome time, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, right. it wasn't. Right. The end kind of tells that. The end tells the story exactly. for real. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he he knows it. he's he's kind of ashamed of it, and yeah. And like you said about how it's it's a quote funny story. I mean, like yeah, like Gallo's humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, whenever someone is a is a conversationalist, like like Mike can be. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can you can kind of smile and laugh while he's telling the story because he does it in a funny way. Yep. Um, but in the end, it is pretty tragic. And you know, he he is as I said, I I don't know what his exact position in in Mark Borchardt's organization <laughs> is, assistant director or producer. I don't know exactly. Uh, yeah. Just kind of an all all-purpose guy but most of the time he's sitting there with his headphones on listening to at one point it's like ranchero music mm-hmm. um and other times he obviously is going to provide music for for coven uh, yes. because he provides it for the documentary itself for american yeah. movie the soundtrack is all mike shank it's very good guitar work right and they show him playing guitar throughout the whole thing and it's really good stuff he has this like he can't really sing no, but uh, no, he has a weird spoken word singing kind of thing yeah, that he does, yeah. and the rest of the time it's like late medieval like guitar work. Oh, yeah. It's like all these he, finger picking. Yeah, it's it's like awesome classical yeah. inspired heavy metal stuff. It sounds like yeah. yeah, if Blind Guardian did an acoustic set, yeah, dude. it would be like Mike Shank. Yeah, you know, pretty cool. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing. Like 
because he does have this this ability, he's still able to produce music like this. That's amazing. Yes. I know exactly. Yeah, he really has a passion for it, and 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 there's the, the those great shots of him in his really kind of sad bedroom mm-hmm. that's, you know, like a lot of wood paneling and just a, a you know, like a, yeah. a twin bed that he's, he's like 30 years old and he still sleeps on it. It's probably presumably in his parents' house. Yeah. And uh, there's just that one stand with sheet music on it and he sits on the edge of his bed composing this music, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's just one bare light, light bulb that, that like where the, where the cord oh, is man. like in the way too. I mean, dude, that sucks. And he's there to help his friend. Yep. Achieve his American dream. Exactly. That's one thing Mark keeps going on and on about throughout the whole movie is how this is goddamn America and you got to get <laughs> live your dreams. And too many people are sitting around drinking and talking. <clears throat> excuse me. But they're not doing anything about it. So Mark's doing something about it. You don't get second chances and you don't blow your second chance. Dude, uh, you're actually channeling Mark Borchart right yeah. now. And I, 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 you know, I have like, a friend, uh, his name's Lance. When he starts talking like, he does this like humorously. He'll go into that accent and start saying <laughs> goddamn in front of everything. Yeah. And he sounds exactly like Mark. <laughs> and he can go and he... He is really good at it. Like, right. I can't do it like him. So if right. you like what I'm doing, we need to get Lance on here to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man, dude. That goddamn accent. Yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he is... Um, we mentioned Uncle Bill earlier. Yes. Um, who is quite a character. Another, another... I just, like Bill. You know, an amazing character. Um, he is uh, Mark's dad's brother, who is an elderly man, who is, like, sitting on probably a retirement nest egg... Um, yeah. of about $280,000 mm-hmm. and it's just all the money he has. It's, it's probably his whole yeah. pension. Um, and he lives in a squalid trailer, essentially waiting to waiting for the end Yep, because he doesn't have anything to spend money on. Um, and he can't, he's not really upward. Uh, he's not really, you know, out and about. He doesn't go out unless Mark comes to pick. Yeah. Him up. He's not very capable. He's right. He's near the end of his life. You yes. can just tell. And Mark is like, he is trying to squeeze Uncle Bill because he wants the money. He wants the money to fund his his film production. Yeah. But he actually does. I, I believe he does love Bill as well. I do too. Yeah. I don't think he's just trying to swindle him out of the money. No. He's like, help me out, please. Like, yep. this is my dream. Please help me. You are capable to help me. And he even keeps telling him, like, I'm giving, I'll give you your money back. And I think at the end, he does. He gives everyone the money. Right. Um. That they make from the movie, which isn't like much. No, but he returns he, the seed he, money. That it was, was like three grand or something. Yeah, to seed the the movie project. So, right. Uh, yeah, he he really does love his uncle. There's even the scene he's like taking care of him. He's giving him a bath. Yeah, and stuff. He's like, that's a wicked toenail, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a quarter inch thick. <laughs> and then you hear Bill go, I know. <laughs> You know what, dude? There, there, there's many things I'm not looking forward to in my old age. Yeah. Um, but like wicked one toenails. wicked toenails that you need a belt sander for that that is gonna really suck. Yeah, dude. You, you know? get dumb and dumbered. Oh, oh man, dude. God damn it. <laughs> I hardly even have one on my little toe anymore. It's like oh. this tiny little shrivel. Well, thank God. I'm like, what happened to it? My toe didn't grow. It's just like, years of erosion, what the heck? dude. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, he truly loves Uncle Bill. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think too that like Uncle Bill's big scene, um, it's it comes like the middle of the movie mm-hmm. where Mark and Mike come over to the trailer to shoot Bill's scene, which is um, going to be part of Coven. Yeah. 
what Bill is supposed to say, his line, he's <laughs> supposed to say it out the window of this little sedan. It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's not that hard to remember, but it is painful to get Bill to say it correctly. It is. And they're just recording ADR. So he doesn't even have to perform at all, really. Like, vocally, maybe. But right. He can just... He has a fucking sheet of paper in front of him. He can read from it. Yes. And he can't do that. He keeps screwing it up. And Mike, I think this is where his love for Uncle Bill kind of comes out. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Mark. Mark yeah. yeah. His love for Uncle Bill kind of comes out in this scene. Because, mm-hmm. like, any other actor, he'd probably be losing patience, you know... Oh, yeah. A lot quicker. Yeah. Um, in this, he's just, like, he's trying to be encouraging to Bill. Yeah. Even though, like, he's he's got a smile on his face where it's like, I'm kind of pissed off, but this is kind of funny, too. Oh, Mike's in the background laughing, and, too. And that's my, on one, of my, 31. one of my favorite Mike moments. <laughs> just seeing him out of focus in the back going, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, dude, he's not helping the situation at all. Yeah, he's like Scotty J in back there, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mark is very patient with him, but you can tell he's getting frustrated. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and he's, I think he's actually doing a, a decent job directing him. Yeah. But he, the guy just isn't capable. Because, yeah, he's... Because he's 85 years old. He's not an actor yeah. and he's elderly. Yeah, I mean... And the, he doesn't give a fuck about the project. And there's that too. He doesn't He doesn't know what, what an independent horror movie is. He hardly knows what he's doing. No. Fortunately, like we said, Mark's not taking advantage of him. Right. Fortunately. Because there's a scene when they go and open the bank account and... <laughs> He, he doesn't even realize what's happening hardly. Yeah. They have to explain to him, no, you have control of the account. Like, uh, you have to sign the money. The lady who's, like, like yeah. setting up the account, yeah, yeah, is, like, trying to explain to him what a bank account is. Yeah. Like, you know, because he's just, he's, he's that far gone already. Yeah. So, fortunately, he still has Mark and his brother, Mark's dad, to, yeah. like, be there. And they're not taking advantage of this guy. Yeah. But, like, his, yeah, Bill's brother, Cliff, Mark's dad, who looks exactly like Paul Schrader. Yeah. It, it, when he, he puts does. his glasses on, I was yes. like, "What is that's Paul Schrader. <laughs> Dude. Yep. Nice. Um, but the propulsive part of the movie is that, like, we see him at the beginning. Mark is talking about his dream project, which is called Northwestern. It's a feature length, you know, horror film. Yeah. Um, and I and, think it's kind of based around his life yes. growing up. And we see footage he shot in 1990 of the like the opening of of uh, of Northwestern. Yeah. And. He's trying to get that made, but stuff goes south because, like, like he can't get, like, production meetings to... He can't get everybody to show up to production meetings by, like, the fourth meeting. It's right. just him and the other dude, uh, yeah. him and this guy, Paul. Um, and then he decides, well, in order to get it going again, he's going to try and finish uh, the short film that he'd started seven years ago called Coven. Yep. It's a curious strategy to try to, like, you know... Uh, I mean, I, I've seen it before where, where you try to, like, do something in order to, yeah. like, to fund something bigger. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, so I understand the motivation for it, but like, so the whole movie is exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, Robert, 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 Paul Rodriguez is skateboarder. Sorry. (laughs) Robert Rodriguez. I know Paul, I know another different Paul Rodriguez too. (laughs) Yeah. Same thing. Rod, baby. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, Robert Rodriguez. That was his plan with El Mariachi. Right. And then that thing just exploded. And it's so funny to think of like Robert Rodriguez making El Mariachi, which is like, a movie that cost $7,000 and you watch it today and not only is it good, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, it's in the library of Congress of, you know, like aesthetically significant, culturally <laughs> yes. significant films. It's a really, really excellent movie. Uh-huh. 
and you watch for like Coven. <laughs> Coven might maybe not is is technically the same. I mean, it had the same budget almost, and it's not El Mariachi. I know that much. I will say though, like you do see clips of it at the end of the movie because yeah. they go to the premiere, and it doesn't look half bad. Yeah. Like, it actually looks fairly well made yeah. for what it is. You know, it's a $3,000 movie right. or whatever. It's, right. it's definitely not the best it could be. But for a super micro, low-budget f- amateur film, it's pretty good. Shot on really stark black and white uh, Oh yeah, film. I mean, like, it almost looks like Darren Aronofsky's I think pie. It does. It looks like that, and it looks like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, especially a lot of the close-ups they show. Like right. I'm like, this is definitely Night of the Living Dead influence here. Right. Which Mark says so. Like that was one of the biggest influences on him. That Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A, a lot of these old horror movies. And and I wish that that that's that's one of my only I guess beefs with Mark personally is is that like as much as he knows about film and film production. He doesn't seem to have like that critical mind of of someone who is a film lover like that. He only mentions Night of the Living Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. He doesn't get. I mean, maybe he just has never um, exposed himself to, you know, kind of like other you, stuff. Yeah, like classic Hollywood or French New Wave or, or anything like that. He never he never talks about it. Probably not. And I, and maybe he maybe he just doesn't care. But it, it's it's really weird that like someone who's this whose yeah. whole life is devoted to film doesn't have that frame of reference. Right. You know? Yeah. At least at that Yeah, point. what does he think of Citizen Kane? Right, you know? exactly. I mean, I'm sure he likes Taxi Driver. Yeah. Because that's a genre film there. Yeah, exactly. So it's... Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it talks about stuff he likes to put in his movies and watch. That's so. true, right. Um, but yeah, like he does have a, a nice touch, but it definitely is amateur. Right. And... Uh, the, you know, like, so, well, hold on. there's a scene when okay, so right when he decides to make Coven instead, yeah. he has that whiteboard oh, with like man, how many units they have to sell. Yes, yes. And it has like a breakdown. Like if we sell ten, it's this. <laughs> if we sell one fifty, it's this. Uh-huh. This. So he's he's got it. And he's talking to the camera like what they got to do, and he's like being really serious. And all of a sudden, he gets super mad and like wipes the fucking board clean with his hand, and then like immediately is like. Sorry, sorry, I did that. Um, <laughs> we got to make forty-five. <laughs> like he just like immediately flips his shit in the middle and wipes the board clean, and it's like half wiped. You uh-huh. know? Yes, <laughs> yes, so, exactly. Like, dude, it's so awesome to see him just kind of go crazy on it. And and his his like his plan is kind of sound. Like like the figures it is. he's like giving. he's got math. He's like we have to produce three thousand units to make our money back at right. fourteen ninety-five a unit. Right. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I'm not exactly sure what his motivation was for for wiping. Like, what? Why was he? Why was that his gesture of like being? Like, I don't know. He's kind of breaking down like what they would get at each point, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think he got. He's like saying like, no, we can't hit these. We have to hit forty five thousand. I got you. Yeah, that's right. We have to do that. Otherwise, we're fucked. Right. Yeah. It would have been more emphatic. <laughs> but if he, he just got had so like, mad and angry I, when he did it. Why did he just get, cause it's in black. So why didn't he just get like a blue marker and then like put a check mark next to the 45 grand. And That's say, not his style, baby. Uh, this guy is like hard. He, he doesn't, yeah. he's not a subtle man. No, you're no, right. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's a man of action. Right. Exactly. He made the more, the scarier series. We, we saw some of that. Um, oh yeah. Uh, like like movies that the, these silent horror movies also shot in black and white from the early eighties from when he was like a teenager. Yeah. They're, with, with Mike and Ken there yes, and like in yes, the film. Exactly. Yeah. And, 
And some really impressive editing on display. It looks good. And think about it. 1980. Home video editing. That is right. not easy. No. That takes work. And his practical uh, creature effects. Yeah. Or it's like actually just violence. You Makeup know? I mean, and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, man. It looks good. It looks really good. Yeah. And and he ca- and capturing it in black and white like that, man, it just, it's, it's, it's really something to look at, you know? Like, I don't know. Do you know what happened to him after this? Did he go on to make anything else? No. He did not. And, and I think that's really the tragic part of this, yeah. of all this, is that, like, you, you know, you'd think that, like, the stereotypical end of, of this guy's story, he, he makes, he's he's the uh, subject of a documentary that, that goes on to, like, you know, win all this acclaim at Sundance and, and um, you know, wins the grand jury prize and all this stuff. Yeah. You're thinking, okay, well, this is going to propel him to something. And it didn't. That sucks, man. You know? Because we even said, like, the guy has potential. I know. He's surrounded by the wrong people. Yeah. Maybe if he moved somewhere where he could make movies, he'd have a better chance. And Or he, at least be involved in, like, the process. Well, and that's probably that's probably part of it, too, is yeah. that, like, he, he would... I don't know if he... If he had like gotten an invitation somewhere, okay, come come work on this. Could Mark Borchart be a production assistant on a big movie? I'm sure he could. He I, could I mean, AD the shit out of movies. Oh, I I, I think he could. I think he's capable. Yeah. But would he be able? Would his ego be be like allow him to take right. like, a demotion to like you know learn the process? Yeah, first? I wonder. That's curious. You know, uh, maybe he would because he realizes the kind of opportunity he's got and stuff. He I might. Yeah. He might do that. But yeah, he he seems like the guy like. He wants to be the director. Yes. He wants to be in charge of this production. Like, he doesn't want to let anyone do anything else. Right. Maybe if he had the right kind of capable people around him, he would, though. Because here, he's in this Midwestern, dying poor town. Right. Trying to make a Hollywood-level movie. Right. Y- you can't really make that happen. Even with his vision as it is, I mean, like, there, there's, we've already talked about, like, his ability to craft, like, you know, makeup and everything. There, there's there's a, a really amazing shot that he composes of, of like, everybody in the witch's costume. It's like yeah. the five witches. Uh-huh. I think Mike's one of them. Um, they're yeah. all black. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can you look more, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, Look more menacing. Look more menacing, yeah. exactly. Yes. There's, a, there's, a, there's a cut away there where Mike's standing there with his, like, mask kind of pulled off. And he's like, can you put that soda, my soda, on top of the tarp? So it's not frozen when we're done, cause I, cause I'd like to drink it, please. <laughs> it's like his Seven Eleven big gold yeah. plate. <laughs> He's fucking worried about his soda. And dude, and that that's like that's Mike's life. It uh, is. It's put it on the tarp so it doesn't. Freeze. I mean, it's and it's it's like the only time Mike looks kind of desperate about something. <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's afraid. Right. Right. Uh, He's not talking about brain damage or right, anything. Like, it's his right. big gulp. He's got to make sure that soda is still drinkable after this take. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. And and earlier, he was he gave, um like, when they went to Bill's house, like, Bill's like, I'm hungry. And, and Mark's like, oh, Mike, get him something to eat. Oh, my God. And he goes, oh, okay. And give him a soda. And he, he gives him a surge. He goes, here you go, Bill. Uh, it's, a, it's a surge. Real good no, new soda. It's you a know? new soda from Coca-Cola. It's called Surge. <laughs> Dude, I saw the surge pop out and I was like, fucking surge. And I wrote a note down. And then they actually have like a one minute scene about surge. About surge I was yes. so happy, dude. I, know. <laughs> I, I dug a little further into surge. Yeah. It turns out they stole the recipe and the whole thing from 
a soda from Norway. Oh yeah, that was called Urge. <laughs> no, no, they did not. I holy was like, crap, holy shit, you guys. You know, we'll add an S to it. Oh. Well, um, add an S for skateboard, I guess, and 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 that's America. Surge was like, for people who don't know, Surge was like a huge phenomenon yes. when it came out. Yes. It was like, this is way cooler than Mountain Dew, uh-huh. gives you way more caffeine. <laughs> Extreme, bro. People would, like the commercials were people fighting in the alley over a Surge. They were going through like an American Gladiator gauntlet to get a Surge. I remember part of the commercial was a voice going, Surge! Yeah, it was know? like a Mortal Kombat. I know, exactly. Dude, they when they discontinued <laughs> Surge, the pizza place I worked at, we still had it like on a fountain. So people would oh, drive shit. hundreds of miles to come get Surge at our restaurant. Wow, man. It was awesome. That's pretty cool. They'd order like uh, some like garlic bread and like 80 Surges. Wow. Yeah. You guys were like the last like mom <laughs> yeah, and pop we were video the last store. Remnant in yeah. Columbia, Illinois <laughs> wow. had Surge on tap. <laughs> that's pretty awesome man dude but yeah yeah surge man yes <laughs> um dude okay surge. yeah so um apart from surge uh <laughs> the, the other elements of this movie is like mark borchardt he's he's also a very troubled man personally he unfortunately um him and his ex-girlfriend they had three kids together and they couldn't make it work out which happens to people all the time of course yeah but now there's a custody battle and um, she's threatening to, like, I guess she's not threatening, but she wants to, like, move out of state and take the kids with her. And, you know, because Mark kind of has no prospects, I mean, he, he lives in his mom's house yeah. and um, doesn't really have anywhere to, to, to shelter the children. I mean, like, you know, she's obviously has concerns. Right. And there's a real sad scene of, like, we only see, like, a bit of it uh, where, like, they're standing outside yeah. Mark's kind of beater car and, uh, like, they're arguing and... The- Right, the camera crew's kind of across the street sitting in their car shooting yeah. out the window right. at them. And when you realize that he has children, like yeah. you're you're like we've already kind of like been okay, well this guy's kind of a um this guy's kind of cool. He's a bit of an egomaniac, but but mm-hmm. he's he's he knows a he's he's also got some charm about him and you know uh it's it's cool to just hang out with somebody who who's like knows a lot about film and everything. And then when mm-hmm. you find out oh he's got kids, you're like, "Oh man." You yeah. know, and he he's he does these kind of uh he delivers papers and he cleans uh, a, mor- a mortuary. Yeah, those are his. Those, that's what he does for work. Yep. Um, and it's fine to do that. It's just that he he doesn't do it um, knowing that like you know he like I guess putting money aside to like fund his dream projects. He he obviously doesn't. He's not very good with money. Mm-hmm. He's going through his bills and we see that he's like he at oh, one point man. admits that he's ten grand in debt to his dad. Um, he's not like all there's all these collections coming. At one yeah. point he opens a, a, a envelope and there's a, a credit card in there and he goes oh oh man fucking wicked you know kick ass I got a Mastercard kick ass I got a Mastercard you know he's gonna max that thing out tomorrow. And what is what is, he says something stupid after that too? He's like sometimes good things just happen yep, to people. Exactly sometimes like, life's what? awesome. Master Mastercard gave you a credit limit of five hundred dollars and man. now your life is better. Man, are you serious, I, I, dude? <laughs> and to the point where like money is so tight and and. It's it, Mike. In order to not uh, consume alcohol, Mike has developed another addiction, which is scratch off tickets. Yeah, apparently he's in AA and like Gamblers Anonymous. <laughs> His AA sponsor drives him to Gamblers Anonymous because they both go to Gamblers Anonymous over their you know shared uh-huh. addiction there, and they still buy scratch offs constantly. And they, uh, and they 
they're obviously still drinking and doing drugs all the time. And <laughs> Mike wins 200 bucks at one point. Uh, yes. And he tries to keep, or he wins 50 bucks at one point and tries to keep it a secret from Mark. And he spills it. Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> he wins 200 another time and like, and he, he spills that too. Well, it's so funny. He comes over. He's like, I won $200. And Mark's like, all right. Yeah. What you want to spend some money? And he's like, well, I got, I gave a hundred to my dad and I got 65 at my house and I have 20 in my pocket. And it's like, well, where's, where's the other 15? It's so funny. He gives you this breakdown, but he doesn't add it up. No, it's like no. so funny. And neither does Mark. Mark doesn't hear. Mark is like, well. Well, let's go get some $5 pitchers at the bar. <laughs> and Mike, Mike, to his credit, is kind of like, I don't want to do that. Because right. he knows he probably shouldn't. Right. <laughs> he, he probably should never have said a word about the $200. Yeah. I mean, like, if he's got, when he says the, the weird statement of, like, I got 60 of it is in my house. Uh, what? Like, <laughs> I, I, I imagine a shoebox with money in it. Oh, yeah. In Mike's room. It's like sitting next to that light bulb. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that wall mount with the CDs in it. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and and Mark's mom. This is the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. This is at the Super Bowl when the Packers win. That's right. So they're having a good time. <laughs> and uh, Mark's mom is like, you guys don't need to go to the bar. Right. You do not need to drink anymore. And Mark is kind of pissed about it. Like, he wants to go get hammered. And his mom's telling him he, he can't. And he already is. And he's already wasted. That's why, though. Because right. he's already shit-faced. Right. She's like, I'm not taking you to the bar or uh, anything. Screw you. <laughs> man, and and it's just like, it's it's the talk and the behavior of someone who is like very close to the edge of alcoholism. Yeah. You know, and like, and she sees it. And I've, we, we don't exactly know. They, they never fully say that, that Mark's parents are divorced, but they... they yeah, they, they do say his dad left his mom for right. some Swedish woman or something. Well, she <laughs> is point. the Swedish woman. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought he said something about a different Swedish woman. Oh, okay, so, yeah. Okay, but yeah, that makes sense. Well, though. it is Wisconsin, so there's the Scandinavia is all over the yeah, place. So yeah. pro- probably everybody's Swedish, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, in addition to the to the scene where she's helping him with the cinematography, this is other the other like kind of big thing for for Monica Marks. Mm-hmm, yeah, is like you know showing concern for her for her son. She loves him, but she also knows that that like for lack of a better word, he's behaving at least like a loser. Oh, he is. He's you acting know? like a child. Right. Yeah. This scene really exposes just his childish nature. I know. He he's not really truly like an adult. He acts like it sometimes. I know. And especially when he's trying to make the movie, he's being responsible and he's he's got like all these plans. It's it's planned out. He's doing rewrites on his scripts. Like right. he, he's taking care of business, but everything else in his life is kind of secondary. I know. I mean, like he's, his like even to his kids, like he yeah. loves his kids. You can tell. And he's there with them, but they're always around him and he's doing stuff for the movie yep. while they're there. Right. And they're kind of quote unquote helping him. As I'm, their bonding time, I mean, he, they they have that that sleepover in the in the editing room. Yeah, um, which would be like if I was the kid, I'd find it like a lot of fun. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, um, and it's a really cool bonding moment with him and his daughter, where she like she. It sounds like she said shit. <laughs> I think goes, she does. Yeah, I, yeah. it sounded. It, she pretty yeah. much does, and yeah. I don't know if she knows she did or if she knew what she was saying, but like I, I think she just said it because her family and everyone around her probably constantly is just spitting out yes. swears you know and he goes dude so, did you just swear you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's like no i mean i don't care if you did i just want to make sure that i'm not hearing things <laughs> yeah 
She's like, no, <laughs> I didn't. Yes. She's like, did I? <laughs> He's like, yeah, it sounded like you said shit. And she goes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this like eight year old girl. Right. She's like, oh, I said shit. <laughs> and later in that same editing room, we see it's, it's Ken, Mike, uh, Mark. And is Monica there? Is his mom there also helping is editing? Is it Joan? It's Joan. You're Joan right. is his Sorry, new yes. girlfriend. Yeah, Joan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're Who all... looks almost like his mom. I know. Exactly. And they're about the same age. Yes, I, think I think they are because yeah. it's just a hard life, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and they're all in the editing bay doing some what looks like a really complex process. Oh, yeah. This is true film splicing. Yes. This is not like getting on Adobe and doing shit, you no. know? You can't do that. They, they, they've got like a, a turn They're fable manning this Nickelodeon yeah. stuff. Exactly. I mean, yes, you're right. This is... <laughs> fable man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. But yeah, no, it's old school yep. editing. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I mean, this is what Roger Corman had like, you know, Dennis Hopper and Peter Bogdanovich doing right. for him. You know, and and like, it, it's, it's a good way to learn about film, yep. certainly. I mean, like I... I, I got a real appreciation the first time I saw this for just the filmmaking process. What goes into like creating a movie? And um, I was I was actually shocked to see like Mike is doing cutting yeah, and splicing. Ken is doing it. Like yep. I mean, obviously they've been making movies with Mark since adolescence, right? So they've probably done it before. But I was kind of shocked because I thought this is the kind of controlling aspect that mark would want to be in charge of absolutely that that was surprising to see that that he like kind of left them to do their own splicing yeah um yeah i i would have thought that like with with his his um like propensity to to have control over every aspect of the production yeah I especially mean, with mike unfortunately like his mental capacity yes. is not 100 percent. yes like I'm surprised he trusted him with that. Like, there's a scene when he tells him to hand out flyers, and he walks off to do it, and he doesn't even take the flyers. That's one of Mike's best <laughs> moments, too. He's just walking He's away. definitely on something in this yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, and, and then he comes up with that shaggy dog story about, like, how the flyers got taken from him or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the newspaper guy took them thinking oh, they were the other newspapers. And- <laughs> But why would you just put the whole stack on it? Like, he said, we only have, like, this small amount of flyers. Like, hand them out carefully. They just sat all of them on top of, like, the local paper. I I said earlier that I'd love to be friends with Mike Shank because he's an awesome dude. But this is the the unfortunate underbelly of of being friends with Mike. He's a little unreliable. And um, even though he tries really hard, you just have to, like, you know, uh, if you give him an errand, it might not be successful. You know? (laughs) it's kind of a miracle they actually get the movie made like and finished i know even even a short like the the the, he sees that through to the end yeah is kind of a miracle yeah um and that he gets a a theatrical premiere yeah it's in his local theater right which is awesome though like and there's a line around the block it's a sellout show yeah and he shows up like i i guess in in his best suit (laughs) Such as it is. Dude, I didn't even notice because it was so close to his normal costume. Like, I could hardly even tell. Dude, Bill a- shows up, though, with this, like, mustard yellow shirt exactly, tucked in. Yes, I mean, this yes. guy is, like, a skeleton. So, like, this suit is just hanging. This is an extra small shirt, and it's still bagging. I know. Yeah. Dude, oh, my God. Yeah, it's blousing, and it's tiny. Yes. I mean, and, and like... Mark has a, it's a, it's like a tan sports jacket yeah. that, that looks like he bought it from Goodwill probably. Yeah. 
I love the like the sh- all the people in the movie. They're wearing like Black Sabbath shirts or like Hooters T-shirts yes. and stuff. It's like so <laughs> awesome, dude. <laughs> the, I, I, one of his brothers uh, is being interviewed, and I think he has like yeah, he's wearing he's the, the Hooters, Hooters shirt. shirt. <laughs> the guy with the glasses. <laughs> I know. It's such a low class thing, and I just like oh, that's a pretty good move. You know, wear your Hooters T-shirt for your interview. <laughs> Yeah, I got to be classy here. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and and but, honestly, like the the theater as as kind of like small as it is, like you said, it's small town theater. It looks like an awesome place to hang out. Yeah, you know? I'm sure uh, everyone goes there. And and I mean, like, I would gladly go see a movie in that place today. I mean, that that's like imagine watching Pulp Fiction in oh that theater. Oh my gosh, exactly. And it and it's yeah. there's like an actual marquee outside uh-huh. with letters on. We used to in St. Louis have a theater like this. Mm-hmm. It unfortunately last year was bought out by a church group. Oh my gosh. And um, yeah, there's no more Tivoli, everybody. Yeah, that sucks. Man. But um, yeah. To, to, to be able to see a movie like on a big screen like this and to have his vision come together and actually like he get to at least if this is his only moment in the sun yeah. as a filmmaker, he still has it and it's been documented in a documentary at least. Um, and, yeah. you know, uh, like you said, we, we, we see a lot of clips from from Coven, from the finished product, mm-hmm. and it's it's a pretty decent, you know, low budget horror It's competent. Movie. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's competent. Um, and... Even even the acting, um, it's well. The acting is the it's acting. amateur. It, it is definitely. Yeah. Um, and th- there's one. There's one of his one of his troop of actors. Um, I think his name is Richard. He's kind of the fancy guy who looks like Orson Welles. Oh yeah, he's wearing like a suit. Yes, and, and um, a beret. Yeah, and, he's got like a, a red scarf. Right, and, and he kind of talks. Yes, exactly. He's, he's the guy got, who says it's not Coven, it's <laughs> Coven. It's pronounced Coven. <laughs> Unless you put an umlaut over it, and Mark's like, what? What? What's that? Oh, the dots? Yeah. And by the way, Richard, fancy man, if yeah. you put an umlaut over the O, it wouldn't be coven or coven. Dude, all right. But that's that's neither here nor there. Whatever. Right. It's funny. <laughs> yes, it's a funny thing. But yeah, he's the fancy guy. Right. <laughs> um, and he's he's all also him and, and I think Dawn are the other, they're, they're the cover art yeah. for the, the coven right. poster, you know. Um, and if you buy a, a, a coven DVD, you, you'll, you'll get that same... Um, it's like a, it's a, an actual glossy photograph that's been yeah. printed on just regular paper. Yeah. <laughs> so you get this and then, you know, uh, yeah, Mark's like, I, I used the, the word processor. I used the word <laughs> processor. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yep. Mid nineties computer wow. technology, everybody. Wow. That was cutting edge back then though. Of course it was. He that- used the fucking computer to make his own DVD art. It- and it, dude, I know. That's awesome. And like, I don't know what the like the device you see him using the word processor as he calls it. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to turn that thing. It's on. probably like Word on a an old Microsoft computer. I'm sure Windows ninety five. It's it's almost looks like a laptop, but the 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 actual um, flap comes open and it's about the same size as like a, yeah. a cell phone today. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, it looks <laughs> like I I don't even I don't even know what what. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't know how to turn on the device. I wouldn't know how to like activate. I wouldn't know how to like work any of the programs. I, yeah, it's just dead technology. I'm, I'm assuming it's something that the university has. Must be because yeah. that's where he's doing the editing and yeah. stuff, right? University so, of Milwaukee, right? Yeah. So, um, which is great that they let him do that. I mean, he might have to pay. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's tough to know. Like, like what the? I, I guess, I guess maybe maybe it would be for free. You know, possibly like, like, it's, like just, it's a public service. Yeah, because it's provide. a state. It's a uh, public university. So yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome, Pretty though, cool. man. Like, that he has the uh, tools there that he can use. Yes. yes. And he knows how to use them. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah, and he's obviously self-taught, so that's uh-huh. another cool part. Um, so, like, th- they do have the premiere, and it goes well, which yep. is great. Yep. When Bill shows up, like... It's actually cool when Bill shows up because Mark comes up to him and helps him. And it's like, this is your movie, man. Because he <laughs> Bill's the executive producer because right. he funded the whole yes, thing and exactly, everything. exactly, yes. He's like, this is what you did. Like, everyone's here to see your movie, man. <laughs> Which is awesome. He's so excited. And Bill actually does look like a little happy about it. He's like, wow, this is... This is something cool that's happening. He seems to get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. because of what all this crap we've been going through. Right. The whole time, Bill's just like, kind of like, I don't even give a fuck about this. I know. <laughs> and, and, and like, Mark can't make him understand throughout yeah. the whole movie about, like, you know, what this means and everything. Yeah. And finally, when he sees that it's it's culminated in this, like, premiere of a movie downtown. Yeah. He, he actually kind of, it, I, I think he's uh, comprehending it. He, he gets it. Right. He's like, wow, this is what Mark was talking about this whole time. This yep. is what he's wanted. It's this is his dream, man. <laughs> and it's it's a wonderful moment. Yeah. Like and you see when you see the premiere, it is it's super heartwarming. You feel so happy for everyone because of all this crap they've been going through to try to get to this point. Yes. Thinking, man, this is impossible. They're never going to do this. Right. How are they going to make this work? Yeah, the first time you see it, you're not thinking at all that this is going to end with a movie premiere. Yeah, and it does. Right. And it's wonderful. And, you know, Mark gives a speech afterwards and thanks everybody. It's a true movie premiere. And I've got the, the... The dialogue from uh, from the end, mm-hmm. of, from Mark's speech at the end. He's standing in front of the audience in his suit jacket. And he goes, uh, I'm going to wake up to hell tomorrow, man. Those credit cards ain't going to look nice, man. But I'm always a man for my word. Mike Shank, you happy? And you hear Mike go, yeah, I'm happy. He goes, how happy are you, man? Oh, I'm very happy. Uh, well, well, good, man, because, uh, you know, uh, don't drink. Uh, you're going to set the world's record, okay, man? I'm cooled down, but, hey, I'm serious, man. If, if I miss somebody or anything, man, thanks a million for uh, helping out, man, because uh, I couldn't have, uh, whatever, done it. And then he walks off the stage. That's his speech. And that's his word-for-word speech at the movie premiere. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> it says it all. <laughs> I couldn't have uh, whatever <laughs> done it. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like, that's how he talks throughout the entire movie, guys. Yes. Everyone out there who hasn't seen this, that is how he's talking throughout this entire movie. There's other motor mouth <laughs> monologues we yeah. could have quoted, you know, word yeah. for word, and they would have been just as funny. Oh yeah. And and it's it's like like you said, it's tons of them. And it's about every conceivable subject, even. When he's not talking about films, he he's just he's talking about his kids this way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he, at one point, I remember, like, I don't have it word for word, but he's walking through the graveyard where he works at that mausoleum, and he's talking about how much he likes being around, I like being around the dead people, man, because none mm-hmm. of these dead people, they don't bitch at you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene when his brother or someone says that they thought he was going to grow up to be a serial killer, <laughs> because he, <laughs> yes. this is, like, what he did and was fascinated with. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, so perfect that, like, yeah. Mark Borchardt, of course, he would, like, delve deep, at that time, pre-internet, into serial killer culture. Yeah. When you... Like the only like information you could get was like through, uh, you know, like mailers and and, like going into Fango in the back, uh, like look at the, look at the ads and stuff like that. Yeah. Mark would be totally into that. Oh God. Yeah. And the movie, the movie ends with them going back to Bill's trailer and just basically saying, man, that was awesome. Now you ready to do the next movie, Bill? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like that. And he asked Bill, Mark asked Bill like, well, 
What are your dreams, man? What's your future like? This 90-year-old man. Exactly. Are you fucking stupid? <laughs> I think he's I think he's just trying to start a conversation that way he can start talking about his dreams. Yeah, that's, so that's I think that's what it. he's doing, but yep. like and then Bill's kind of just rambling. This is a long unbroken shot here. Yep. Bill's kind of rambling about stuff and just like saying make make people happy, make them laugh, be a comedian and like he's just kind of saying random shit. Yeah. It's it's kind of sad actually cuz you can see his he's not all there. He's definitely not all there and it is sad, but I I I did take some wisdom from it a there little bit. There is a little in there though. Yeah. Like he kind of is, knows what he's saying, he just can't say it. Right. And what he well, yeah, exactly. What he can't exactly articulate what, yeah. what what his point is, but like the idea of like making people's lives better yeah. and um like your legacy is not like what you created. It's 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 how you it's how people you know, remembered you, how, how, how you treated people. Right. And, um, I, I hope Mark was listening, you know, cause yeah. it's, if he goes on to make Northwestern and let's say it is a masterpiece, he's going to think that he's fulfilled, but like, right. There, there's plenty of people who, who accomplished great things in art, but we remember them not so fondly. Yeah. You know? So I, I hope he yeah. understood that like Bill was, was trying to get this message across like, Hey, be a good person. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. And that's a big point of the movie is the relationships that he has with all these people around him. Yeah. He'd be nothing without those. When we said in the synopsis that he's like the center of a lot of people's lives, I mean, like he is kind of an alpha that way. Yeah. Everybody kind of defers to him. They, they all think he's in charge because he's the director of the films they're making and all that stuff. Right. But I mean, it's also just like he's kind of just the leader of this friend Yeah, uh, the leader of group. this pack of friends. Exactly. And his family in some ways, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like his his dad and mom, they, they don't quite defer to him, but they, they, they look at him as this like, you know, kind of tall beacon of something of leadership. Right. And so he, he has an important position and he, he needs to understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish he would have went on to do more things. Me like too. I would have loved to see him finish Northwestern. Like it could have been the next, you know, fucking Richard Linklater film. The, I know the next Kevin Smith film that, it, you know, it could have been something big. And I'm, I'm, I'm still really surprised that it didn't propel him to do it. You yeah. know, like, like it didn't come out. I mean, he has plenty of finished films, you know, as far as like the independent stuff he made mm-hmm. even prior to the action of American movie. Yeah. Um, those are finished movies, but he doesn't, he didn't have like this prodigious output after the, the events of this film, which is, is like. I said earlier how it's how surprising it is. I mean, it's it's kind of shocking because that that is always the case when mm-hmm. someone is kind of like plucked out of obscurity like this. They go on to do other things, and I don't know why he didn't. Uh, him and Mike had some kind of like, I don't know if it was a public access show or something like that. Yeah. After this, it was just the two of them doing stuff, and you can find a lot of it, you know, online. Fucking Wayne's Worlding. It's pretty much Wayne's World, yeah. Dude. And like, and it's. Obviously, you 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 watch this because you want to spend more time with these guys listening to them just yeah. bullshit about stuff. Um, it's if they had a podcast, I was about to say, man, I mean, yeah, I'd be a subscriber right now. You know, that would be amazing. I know. Unfortunately, Mike passed away last year. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh. Um. He he got sick and um. Yeah. And he was fifty three years. Unfortunately, old. man. Uh, yeah. And Bill passed away right after this movie yes. was not even released. It was after they filmed. The premiere, basically, right. he died right away. Right. I guess the premiere happened in the summer of 97, and he died in September of that year. Yeah. And then the, the, the documentary didn't come out until 99. Yep. Oh, man. Anything else you want to talk about in this? Um, Just a few things. Okay. Like, uh, I there's one detail. When, when Ken is being interviewed, um, yes. it looks like he's in Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. 
Ken is a bad influence on Mark, according to Mark's mom. <laughs> That's right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I, I, I said it was. It looks like Dahmer's place, but uh, as I was looking at it, I was like thinking, oh my god, that looks like. Um, when I saw like a, a documentary about Dahmer, I was I was I was really grossed out in that like I lived in a similar I lived in almost the exact same place at yeah. one point when I was when I moved out uh, from my parents' house when I was nineteen, that was how I lived. Yeah, Th- there was there was pizza boxes stacked in the back and there was like like not even a trash can there was a trash bag where my oh, trash yeah. went. Yeah, you know, um, and that's sitting in the background of Ken's interview. Yep, and and I, don't, I we still don't know exactly like how he ended up getting pinched. And they had to go, you know, spring him from jail. But yeah, my guess is he had some drugs, Probably or he was so. drunk driving, or something. Yeah. Some kind yeah. of, you know, vice squad. Because got this him. guy's whole life revolves around drinking and drugs, like yes. all of them. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's what they bonded over. That's what their early films were about. Oh, that's yeah. what Northwestern's supposed to be about. Probably so. Exactly. <laughs> so. They're walking through a junkyard, smoking cigarettes, and and drinking. And yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, I I really like the style of the fades and dissolves that are in this movie. Yeah. Um. It's unlike any documentary I've seen where like Mike will stop, Mike will finish talking and then it's just like, it's, it's there. And then the next scene comes up and someone starts talking like one second after microseconds after Mm -hmm. Mike stops talking. And it's just the editing style of this is kind of unlike anything I've seen where they, they, they don't really take their time and they don't really have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It just goes and it flows very well. Yep. This is a great documentary. Yes. Super awesome. Yes. So would you recommend it? Yeah. Um, I would recommend American movie. Um, and I'd recommend multiple viewings of it. And I would also just recommend understanding the creative process and, mm-hmm. you know, what goes into it. And it, it's weird to say this about like, cause we just, we just covered a, a specific movie. Seek out documentaries about subjects that are unknown to you. You know, yeah. um, I, I don't like kind of what documentary filmmaking has become in today's uh, culture. Where it's like yeah, someone it, who's like a real big success is being interviewed in their house, and then there's clips of their exploits. I, I and yeah. you know, like it's like success documentaries. I don't like that. I'd prefer this style. Yeah, the cinematic. This, this stuff's way better. Yes. Um, I would totally recommend this movie. This was my first time viewing, and I've been wanting to watch it for a long time, and I'm glad I finally got the chance. It's a great documentary, dude. Mm-hmm. I'll give it three stars. Okay, nice. Um, maybe four. Let's give it a four star documentary. It's awesome. I think I think it deserves four stars. Yeah, we'll go with four. So that wraps things up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. You can also go to dudesonmovies.com, and you can find anything else you need right there. Uh, yes, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Dudes on Movies, and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right. You know what, guys? We're hardly on Twitter. But uh, right. but it's there. Right. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook is the place to be. Hit us up there because that's where we spend most of our time. And honestly, you all know why we're not on Twitter very much because Twitter really kind of sucks. So just yeah. get us at the places where we actually like it. Right. Yeah. And um, we have a question of the week, right, Dave? What's yes, the question the qu- of the week? Question of the week is what documentaries can you rewatch endlessly? Oh, lots of good ones. Yep. Lots of good ones. Call into the voicemail 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833. And let us know your answers and stay tuned next week for 2005's Brokeback Mountain directed by Ang Lee starring Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal so until next week I'm your dude Scott I'm your dude Dave and we'll see you next time